0: So we're in this uh, series of Ephesians, you know, I told you all that for the past, or we've told you that in the past, like, four weeks now, five weeks, something like that. Uh, so one thing that I, I was thinking about when I came up here is that we spent a lot of time in chapter four, two weeks in a row, verse by verse, but before that it was kind of like, you know, we kind of skipped around a little bit, and that's fine. Uh, But what I'm saying, I just don't want us to miss, uh, I just don't want us to miss anything because when we talked about last week, Ephesians 1 through 3 was basically explaining the good news and this is doctrine or theology, like this is what we believe, this is what Jesus did, and then Ephesians 4 through 6 is basically telling us what we need to do because of that. And last week we talked about, uh, the very first thing in chapter 4 it said therefore so like this is like a a response to God's grace to us in Ephesians 1 through 3 how he showed us a love that was so deep and so wide and so high and and so low that we can never really even fully understand it and it's by God's grace that we are saved and and how he died for us even when we didn't deserve it and how and how we are we are making up his his temple as as believers so uh I don't want us to miss that like I don't want us just to see that as good news and then and then really harp on what we're supposed to do about that because if we don't if we're not extremely uh familiar with what he did on the cross and why that matters and and if that doesn't change your heart, then what you do doesn't matter at all actually like it's that that part is completely irrelevant at this point. Like if if the good news is not what we're focused on, then what we do will come so much harder. And instead of it being, you know, out of love, 1 Corinthians 13 says, if you do all these things and don't have love, then it means nothing. So if we do all these things, like go to church or serve the homeless or do this or do that, and we can have all these lists of things that we're doing to serve people out there, but yet we don't have love and yet we don't have the good news that they need or the hope that they are in need of. If we don't have that, then there's really no point in doing what we're doing. Instead, we're just being humanitarian and, you know, supplying a temporary need. So I don't want us to miss God's grace in this. I don't want us to miss God's grace in this because when we talked about last week how we look at God and then instead of being prideful, we're humble, right? We look to God instead of being harsh and rude and, and you know, brash. Or we're, we are gentle with each other. And instead of being rushing and, and saying, hey, I want you to be perfect, we're, we're now patient with each other. And instead of having a short fuse when people have some wrongdoings, now we have a long fuse. We make room and allowance for people's faults. And, and all these different things, we're patient in salvation. All of that stuff is because of God's grace on us. And we look to him and see his grace on us. And that is why we do what we do. There's nothing to do apart from God's grace. Every, the most important things in life are dependent on God's grace. Where we go, why we're here, and, and where we came from, and what we're supposed to do while we're here. All those things are dependent on God's grace. So don't miss that. It is by God's grace that you are saved. We don't just get saved and then just dismiss His grace and then go do some stuff. It's not how it's supposed to go. So don't miss God's grace. Grace is an amazing thing. But we're going to move on. Tonight we're going to start in verse 7. We just talked about last week about um, what we're supposed to do, being gentle, being humble, all those different things. At the very end of that it said that for there is one body and one spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, there is one faith, there is one baptism, and one God and Father who is over all and in all and living through all. Verse 7 starts off with, however. So, there is one God, there is one body, there is one spirit, there is all these different one, one, one different things, but then he says, however, just to show you, okay, I'm about to transition here, and he says, however... He has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. So there may be one God, there may be one body, there may be one spirit, there may be one of all these different, the one hope that we're called to, but however, each one of us has a special gift. So not every one of us has the same gift, right? We don't. It doesn't say we have one body, one gift, you know, it doesn't say that. It says, we have one body, one God, one hope. And then it says, however, each one of us has been given a special gift. And this is what he, he goes on to say this. That is why the scriptures say, and he's quoting Psalm 68, verse 18. It says, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. So it's just proving that God has given gifts. And he's quoting the Old Testament by doing that. He says he's giving gifts to his people. So each one of us has a special gift. And what that's saying in the Greek, is the literal, the literal trans- translation of it is that each one of us has been given a special grace. Each one of us has been given a grace for the purpose of building up his church. That's what it says. It says uh, each one of us has a special gift through the generosity of Christ. So each one of us has been given a special grace. And what's crazy about that is, is that God gave us grace. God had grace on us when we became Christians, when we became followers of Christ, when we had faith in him and we were saved. So now he's given us a grace to give to others. Here's, here's what's crazy about that, is that we're supposed, to, we're supposed to extend the grace of God to others through a gift that he's given us. We're supposed to extend God's grace. And here, we're going to talk about in this passage why and how that is. All right, so verse 9. It says, notice that it says, he ascended. He's kind of get sidetracked for a second. Hey, we all do that. Paul gets sidetracked too. But God told him to say it, so it's pretty important. Notice that it says, he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And that same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. So Jesus, God himself, descended from heaven and he ascended back to heaven. So we know that. But it says why he did that. Why did he do that? So that he might fill the entire universe with himself. How does he do that? through the gifts that he gives us. He doesn't just fill the entire universe with himself, just boom, it happened, when he speaks one word. He did it through giving us grace, and now we have a special gift so that Christ might fill the entire universe with himself through the gifts that he gives us. That's crazy. That's crazy. So, verse 11. Now these are the gifts... Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Okay, we're going to camp out right here for a minute. It says that these are the gifts, and it's talking about the prophets, the apostles, the teachers, the evangelists. It's talking about all these different things. When you look at that, you don't really see anything besides, like, leaders or, like, speakers or, you know, pastors is what we would consider pastors. We don't see anything besides that. Instead, that their responsibility is to equip believers to do the work of Christ. Hang on a second. I think I'm dehydrated. I don't, has anybody been affected by the heat here lately? I think I've been drinking too many sodas. Like, I yawned just a minute ago, and there was this incredible cramp, like, Got caught right here, and I couldn't do nothing but just like raise my chin up like, oh God, oh God. And it was like, I was trying to rub it out. I couldn't breathe, but whatever. So I had to give me a cup of water. It was, it was really crazy. And I get a little sidetracked too. Anyways, hopefully I didn't get y'all sidetracked. But it says their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work. So that really got to me because it's my responsibility to equip god 's people, because this is what he has called me to do, and what do I equip you with though? what do I equip you with all those people their their responsibility is to equip to equip god's people to do his work. number one, everybody has a work, everybody is supposed to be active in the body of Christ, not one single person doesn 't have a responsibility there 's not a single person that doesn 't have a responsibility that just gets to sit there and spectate and see what 's going on and enjoy everybody every other Christian doing their thing and doing their gift there 's not a spiritual gift of sitting and relaxing there 's no such thing as that. So what am I supposed to? What is God equipping me? to equip you with. What is that? And so we're going to go to a couple of passages in Scripture. I'm going to read it straight up, okay? I'm going to read this straight up from Scripture. I'm not really going to put a whole lot of my words into it because this is God's Word, and we have to, as God's people, hear what God says and go do something. It's not, it doesn't have to be over-explained because a lot of times when God puts something really simply, we have to take it for what it is. This is uh, Romans chapter 12. If you've ever been to our church website, uh, Romans chapter 12 is one of, the, uh, one of the passages we put up there uh, like for service. Like, you know, reach, teach, serve. Romans 12 is under the serve um, little tab. And it's pretty cool. It says this, In his grace, there's the word grace again, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, Speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. And here's what 1 Corinthians 12 says. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. So there are different kinds. We just saw that. God works in different ways, verse 6 says in 1 Corinthians 12. That's crazy, ain't it? That God never changes, but he works in different ways, in different people, for different purposes, for different people, groups, and different individuals who need what you have. To give them. Verse 6 God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. Verse 7 A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Why are we given a spiritual gift? We're given a spiritual gift so we can help each other. And here's what the rest of the passage says. I'm going to sum it up. It says, that basically every part of the body is needed. I want you to tell me, what part of the body did God create that has no function? Does anybody... I could not think of one. And this is a real... I'm not. It's not a trick question. I want to know, is there a part of the body that does not have a function? Can anybody think of one? I thought initially, maybe the appendix... But that has been proven that that is part of the immune system. What? Oh, I thought somebody had a, a part of the body. So, what part of the body, Rachel? The gallbladder? Well, huh? Digestion. digestion. That That's part of the gallbladder. The gallbladder is part of digestion. Just because you don't need it doesn't mean... You know, you don't, you don't have to, you can have no eyeballs, but it doesn't mean you don't need your eyeballs, you know what I'm saying? Like, you can take off both your, both your eyeballs, both your hands, you know, both your legs, you can still survive, but it's still a function, you know, just like the appendix, you can take it out, you can live. Uh, But that's crazy, though, that God created us, the body, you know, to have no part of it has zero function. And so, in 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about that we, as each individual, make up the body, and so that lets you know that every part of the body is needed. Every single person has a responsibility because the hand helps out the other hand and the eyes help out the other senses and, it, and every part of your body works together in one big unified thing that... If, yeah, I don't know if you ever noticed. Okay, so like at work the other day, it was like actually a month ago and it's just now healing up. I like dropped this thing on my, on my finger and I promise you guys, I thought it, my, the tip of my finger was gone. Like it just like all of a sudden I, feel, I felt hot and I just thought, don't look. And it was like I had no pain at the, at the moment because it just happened and I was like, I felt nothing on my finger. So I thought there is no finger anymore. Uh, and finally I got the nerve up to look at it and it's like black and blue and all this other kind of stuff. And so I get home and I tell, I tell Kylie about it, I'm like, I dropped this thing on my finger and it hurts. And she's like, oh, poor baby, little sissy. You know, like she has like no sympathy for my my dead finger. You know, I'm just kidding. But uh, y'all are laughing because y'all know that Kylie is the tough one. So uh, I go to, I take a nap, you know, it's a normal Friday. I get home and I'm taking a nap because my finger's hurting. And uh, I'm just like, man, I'm really tired. And so about an hour later, I'm woken up, not by an alarm, not by my wife, but because my finger is throbbing. I'm talking about, like, I've never felt a pain like this in my life. Y'all think I'm playing. So, like, I'm looking at my finger, like, it looks no different than it did earlier. It's still black and blue, maybe a little bit more, like, purple and, like, looks more dead. But, like, my whole entire arm was hurting into my chest, like, I couldn't. I couldn't even move my arm. I was like, I'm just like walking around like this. Like this hurts so bad. And you don't really realize like how much you use your hand until you can't. And so like I go down to this office just like at the bottom of my driveway to pay my rent that day. And, uh, and he's like, man, you know, because I'm, I'm writing funny, like with the sign of my thing, I'm like, I can't even. Oh, this hurts so bad. You know, like, I just want to put my initials. You know what I'm saying? Like sign here, initial here. I just want to do initials. And he was like, what'd you do to your finger? I'm like, well, you know, I crushed it, but like I'm about to go to the doctor and get it amputated because it hurts so bad. And uh, he was like, you know what you do about that, don't you? I'm just like, what? It's like, take a drill. I'm like, whoa, hey, whoa, 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 hey, buddy. Like, you, you're talking serious stuff now. He's like, no, 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 just listen to me. He's like, you take a little drill bit and you just, you know, you drill your fingernail until you drill through it and all the pressure will be, you know, this blood under your fingernail. And I was like, my heart started beating. I was like, it's hurting so bad right now, I can't even move it like this, much less if I put something on it and start chiseling it. You know what I'm saying? And he was like, you know, if you don't want to do that, you could take a paper clip and burn it until it's red hot and then just stick it through your fingernail. And I was like, that sounds like a great idea. You know, you say, how do you know how deep your fingernail is? You know, just burn right through your finger. You know, it's like, this dude's crazy. You know, I was like, I have no other choice, though. My finger's hurting so bad. And so I get back up to the house and I find a paper clip. I'm like, hey, where's the paper clips I'm in the lighter? I need, I need something. And it's like, What's going on? You know, it's like, I'm About to burn my fingernail like a man. I'm about to man up and do it. So I'm lighting that paper clip and I said, I can't do it. It just barely nicked the surface and I saw how fast my fingernail just dissolved and I was like, Wow, that was hot, you know? So then I go get a knife. And I start chiseling just like that, and it's killing me, guys. Like, I have tears in my eyes. I'm sitting here doing this, and there's, like, little shavings of fingernail just going away. Eventually, I come through, right? And there's, like, blood going, just, like, squirting like I just, like, hit an artery. And it's, like, there's blood everywhere, and it comes out like crazy. And I'm serious, guys. It was, like, immediate just, like it's, like, it's like you laid in a hot tub, you know, like after a long, stressful day. That's how my finger felt. It was like immediate relief, but it bled for like the next three hours. So, this past week, it actually stopped hurting for a while. But this past week, my fingernail has grown out, and there's a new fingernail coming in. It looks disgusting. I look like Frankenstein, but this one finger. And like the, the other part, my old fingernail that looked normal is now no longer normal. And, like, it's starting to, like, chip off piece by piece. And there's one little piece just hanging on by the thread of skin. And it hurts so bad. Like, I can't even wash my hair. You know, it's like there's, I'm wearing a Band-Aid 24-7. And it started to make me think it's crazy. We're talking about the body. they like, like, I was like, wow. This one little thing, okay, made my entire body function differently. It was insane. I was like, I can't even do this right now. Like, spiritual moment just like light bulb went off. I was like, I could be the fingernail. Like, that is not like, not very important part, but you know when I'm gone. If I walk up out that door, y'all, y'all going to be missing me because y'all going to be hurting. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk up out. Th- no, I'm just kidding. So, anyways, it's just crazy. when One part of the body is hurting. Like, and you don't realize how much you need that part of the body but when it's missing. So, all of us forming the body, we all have a function. And First Corinthians 12 talks about how, how can the eye say to the ear, I don't need you? Or, like, how can the hand say to the foot, I don't need you? Or like if you're the butt, like if you're the dishonorable part, it actually talks about the dishonorable parts of your body. And I'm just thinking, my mind went straight to butt. I mean, who doesn't think butt when you think dishonorable? I mean, it does a whole lot of butt stuff. Like it stinks. It just, I mean, it's all kinds of stuff, you know. Look, y'all can be, it's fine. We talk about this stuff like all the time outside of church. Why can't we talk about it in here? Okay, but it's not a cuss word. So, but like, just think about it. It says in First Corinthians 12 that this, the dishonorable parts are actually the ones who are clothed with the most care. And it's like the parts that don't get used as much, you know, those are the ones that seem to be the most significant, you know? And it's like... And like you think about it, like you start to think about all this stuff and like God's describing us as a body, as an intricate woven together, just all these different parts coming together all in one in, in unity and we're helping each other out. God has given us a gift, each one of us a special gift, and it talks about how if, you, uh, if God has given you the gift to prophesy, then speak with as much faith as God has given you. If God has given you the, uh, the gift of encouragement, then encourage others. If God has given you the ability to teach, then teach well. And if God has given you the gift of giving, then give generously. You know what he doesn't say? He doesn't tell you what your gift is. So you have to decide that for yourself, not like, I want to be a pastor. And then all of a sudden, you're a pastor. Like, that's not what I'm talking about. Like, you just know, you have to discern for yourself, and you say, what am I called to in the body of Christ? And I want to explain this in an even, on an even deeper level. Kayla, her gift is not singing. Her spiritual gift is not leading worship. Her spiritual gift is not the ability to sing or to play an instrument. That's not her spiritual gift. Her spiritual gift may be to encourage because she's an extremely encouraging person. So what she's going to do is she's going to use music as the medium through which she encourages. But the spiritual gift itself is not singing or playing music. That's just how she encourages others. Or if it's giving generously, you don't just... You know, you decide wh- how you give. It doesn't mean that you're a tither. Like you don't, your spiritual gift is not tithing. Your spiritual gift is giving. So give generously, whether that's to the homeless or you decide to go to somebody and say, "Hey." What is your biggest need this month? And you say, okay, here, let me write you a check. Do it in secret because that stuff is not supposed... The right hand of the body is not supposed to know what the left hand is doing. So you do those things. You decide what you're going to do. In Colossians 3.17, it says, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. So he gives you the ability, the spiritual gift, and you go out and do. And you go step by step. When the Holy Spirit leads you, the Holy Spirit will lead you and say, hey... You give here. I have given you the special ability to give. I have blessed you financially or blessed you with this amount of time or blessed you with this resource to give. I'm going to give it. I want you to give it here. Or I want you to sing to encourage others. It is your gift and you go out and do something with it. You You can't just take a spiritual... Give test, and then all of a sudden know exactly what you're supposed to do every single day. And it's not limited to just what you do on Sundays. It is actually supposed to be what you do all the time. You're supposed to practice that. Matthew chapter 25 verse 29 says that Jesus is talking to some people and he says, if you have and you don't use, you no, know, if you have knowledge, you will continue to build knowledge, right? If you have wisdom you will continue to build wisdom but for those who don't use what they have even what they have will be taken away so it's kind of like this thing like you either you either use it or you lose it you know it's just kind of like working out like if I don't go to the gym in a week I'm still going to look exactly how I am if I keep uh you know because I'm, I'm always fit like I mean y'all didn't get that y'all didn't understand that like I'm always like just you know I, I'm not I'm not kidding guys I looked just like this when I was in high school and I worked out five days a week How incredibly discouraging is that? It's like, you know, everybody's like, I wish I could be as skinny as you. I'm just like, well, you know what? I wish I could gain a little weight. You know, like I wanted to be like buff. You know, like I wanted to walk around, people be intimidated by me, but instead I look like a spaghetti straw that you throw into the boiler. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what I look like. Like, God, why did you make me this skinny guy? You know what I'm saying? But anyways... You know, it's like you use it or you lose it, and if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. There is no in-between. And we learned that in sports, how if you don't go to practice and you're not getting better, then you're just going to get worse. I mean, like, it, there, there is no, like, staying the same, and that's the same with your spiritual gift. You're supposed to practice it. You're supposed to anticipate and challenge yourself and push yourself beyond your limits. Like, if you go into the weight room, you're going to try to get a little bit more weight than you did last time. Or, you know, one or two more reps than you did last time. Or you're going to try a new exercise to to try to work a different muscle. And so that is the way with your spiritual gift. You're supposed to go and exercise your spiritual gift and, and challenge yourself and push yourself beyond your limits. Why? To help others. You're supposed to help others. We're supposed to help build each other up. And that's what it says, to build up. So let's talk about that for a second. Building up. What is that? It's the opposite of tearing down. It's the opposite of tearing down. We're supposed to build up others with our gifts. We're supposed to help each other out. So if we're practicing our spiritual gift, then what we're doing is we're building each other up. We're not tearing each other down. There is no spiritual gift of discouragement. There's a spiritual gift of encouragement. There is no spiritual gift of taking away what's not yours. There's a spiritual gift of giving generously. So you're supposed to build others up, not tear them down. You're supposed to make them stronger. And in uh, chapter 2, verse 20, in Ephesians, it says that we are now God's temple. We are the temple where the Holy Spirit dwells. So it makes me think, like, we're a house. And so you are a different part of the house. Christ is the cornerstone, but you're the different part of the house. And, and when you add to the house, you strengthen it. When, when you build the house, you're, you're strengthening it. You're putting a, a, some bricks on the outside to reinforce it. Or you're building a new, a new room so that you can expand it. You're doing something. You're, if you are part of the house and you're taking away from the house, you're actually ruining yourself. A house divided is, will always fall. Jesus even said that. It was like, how could I be working for demons? Like, it was trying to tell him, you're performing miracles because you're working for Satan. He's like, a house divided is always going to fall. How would I, why would I do that? Why would I be divided on my own self? Like, why would I be going against my own self? Just like a fist punching your own fist it's going to hurt, and both will be out of commission. When we are practicing our spiritual gift, we're building each other up, not tearing each other down. We're making each other stronger. We're not making each other weaker. And so the challenge is, is what is your spiritual gift? I don't know what your spiritual gift is. But there's a list of them right there in Romans 12. And, and there's another list in, in 1 Corinthians 12 and there's another list in Ephesians 4 what we're reading tonight. You might be a leader. You might be a speaker, you're a prophesier or whatever whatever the word they say. And they say they say that you're supposed to speak out with as much faith as God has given you. So what spiritual gift do you have? And if you don't have one, here's what I'm going to say. So if you are a cross follower, you have a gift. Point blank, period. The Spirit is in you. You have a gift. You have a responsibility now to serve. Now, you know, just like we're partners because partners have responsibilities, members have their privileges, but we're using partner in the real way that member is supposed to be because my arm is a member of my body. You see, but you as, as an individual in the body of Christ, if you're not connected to the body of Christ, what good is my arm if it's laying on the floor and I'm walking around? There, there is no, it's kind of like a branch that has fallen off the tree. You're not connected to the source. You're not going to be useful if you're not connected to it. But here's what I'm going to say. What is your spiritual gift? I don't know what your spiritual gift is. God, I don't know what my spiritual gift is. You're talking to yourself. Whatever you feel compelled most to do, because the Holy Spirit, if you're listening to him, you will be filled with this passion to do something. And if you don't, Do what you're supposed to do and what the Spirit is calling you to do, you will live a miserable Christian life. You know, we talk about joy all the time because Christ gives us joy. If you do not do what you're supposed to do, what God has called you to do, if He's called you to be a hand or an eye or an ankle or a foot or a kneecap, something, whatever it is, if you're not doing that, you will feel out of place. You will be miserable and you will feel like you're useless and you have zero confidence in your ability to share the gospel. You'll have zero confidence, and when you come into church, you'll feel like somebody else is better than you because you don't know your role, you don't know your function, you don't know why you're important because you don't want to know, you don't want to serve, you want to sit back and see and you want to spectate and feel good. That's not what it's supposed to be. In fact, It's a lie, the fact that, you know, you're actually sitting down is actually worse for you than standing up. It's like worse for your health to sit down than it is to stand up. That's why stand-up desks are like a big thing in the industrial world now, because sitting down is actually unhealthy for you. But you lie to yourself sometimes and say, man, I just want to sit here all day. Sitting is actually bad for you. Sleeping past eight hours is actually bad for you. Not doing what you're supposed to do in the body of Christ is actually bad for you. Although we had lied to ourselves and say that I just, I I don't know, I'm not confident, I just need to sit back and, and relax for a little while because I just need to figure this out. No, get in there, try something, follow what the conviction on your heart is, the passion that God has put on your heart, follow that And you will know your place. You will know your significance. You will have confidence in what you're supposed to do. You see, the kneecap is an extremely important thing, but we don't think about it as a part of the body. And if you are a kneecap or you are a fingernail or you are just a finger, you have to recognize your importance. And you have to recognize that is what God has called me to do. And how can the finger say to the kneecap that you are useless to the body? But when you know what you're supposed to do in the body, you know what you're going to do? You're going to be so confident in what you're supposed to do because I know my significance as the hand. I know what I'm supposed to do as the hand, and I'm going to go do that. I'm not going to be jealous of the heart. I'm not going to be jealous of the foot because I know what I'm supposed to do. I know that I'm significant in the body of Christ, and I'm not going to be comparing myself to others when I'm doing the function that the hand does. If the hand sits there and does nothing, all of a sudden he has time to compare himself to the rest of the body, and now he feels like he's insignificant, he's not confident in his ability to do anything, and that relays into our ability and to, to share the gospel and to produce fruit in our Christian lives. You can be a Christian and just sit back and relax, but you're going to be miserable. You're not, you're not going to be confident. You're never going to share the gospel. You're not going to have any fruit. Then you need to begin to question whether you became a Christian in the first place. So think about it. Your gift is so incredibly important, not just for the body, but for you. For you to understand your significance and your worth, the fact that Christ paid it all so that you could become part of his body, and he's going to give you joy by giving you something to do, by giving you confidence in what you're doing. And here's why he does it. It says, it says, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith so when you are equipped and you are confident in what you're supposed to be doing and you actually go out and do what you are supposed to be doing as a part of the body, then we will all come to such unity. See, my body is unified right now. I'm, everything's working together. My brain is working with my heart, working with my mouth, working with my eyes, my hands. I'm talking. That's what the body is supposed to look like. It's not supposed to look awkward where my, my hand and my arm is, where my leg is, my leg's up here where my arm is. We're going to be in unity. We're going to know what we're supposed to be doing. We're gonna, all going to have a, a function like a basketball team, how the post player is different than the point guard, but they both know their significance. They both know what they're supposed to do. We're going to be unified in our faith, and knowledge of God's Son, that we would be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. When we do that, we will look like Christ. You know what's crazy? is that in this body that we make up, Christ is the head. And so when we're all working together, we're all doing our part individually, we know what we're supposed to do, we know our responsibility, and we know our significance, then all of a sudden we come to, into this complete body that looks like Christ. That is the ultimate picture of salvation, how we were made in the image of God, and all of a sudden we sinned and that image was blurred and now we can't tell what it is. And when we came to Christ, now all that, all of a sudden that picture begins to be restored. And now we become more like Christ and our picture is coming to be more clear. And now we're becoming more like Christ every day. It's called the process of sanctification. And so when we all come together as believers, we're helping each other out, now we all of a sudden look like Christ and we're gonna love others, we're gonna love each other so much so that the world knows that we are disciples of him, it's crazy that this body is so important and that our spiritual gift is so significant to this picture that the world sees. If you want to know how to, to be fruitful and multiply as far as the gospel goes and to grow so that people's hearts are growing in knowledge of Christ and, and all of a sudden salvation is, becoming, is going to others, it's because Spiritual gifts, are as people know their spiritual gifts, and they come together as the body. When, we're, when the hand's over here, foot's over here, legs over here, arms over there, and the eyes are somewhere else, when we all disperse like that, the body has no function. The body is dead. We have to all come together and be alive. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced if you will try to trick us with the lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, that's you, As each part does its own special work, you do your own special work because God works in different ways, even though it's the same God who works through us all. Just like there's some people who want to wear a Christian t-shirt everywhere they go so people would ask about it, whereas there's others who won't wear a Christian t-shirt at all because their way of sharing the gospel is through communication with words, and not just by showing a t-shirt or whatever. Like There's different ways that the gospel is presented, and there's different people with different preferences and different ways that they communicate so that each person has that different special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. When we work together, we do our own special work, the whole body is healthy. The whole body is healthy and growing, and it is full of love. I want us to camp out on this very last thing for just a second. In verse 14, it says, We will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. When We, we will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that sound like the truth. Here's the thing. Kenny's talked about this before. We quoted John MacArthur when he said that, that we're supposed to be driven by internal principle instead of external influences. You see, you know that confidence I was talking about, that 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 feeling of significance and you know what you're supposed to be doing and you have that responsibility, you know your special gifting that the Spirit has given you. You see, when you know that and you're practicing that, you are so strong internally that nobody can knock you to the side. Nobody can tell you that you're doing the wrong thing because if you know you're the hand and you're doing what the hand is supposed to do, Nobody can come and tell you, hey, you're not a hand. You're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. No, you're going to know. You're going to know and you're going to be doing what you're supposed to be doing and you're going to be so strong in that that nobody can toss you to the side like a wave gets tossed by the wind. Nobody can do that because you have that confidence in what God has called you to do and your confidence is built on His grace alone. Not by your ability to do what the hand can do, but by God's grace giving you the ability to do what the hand can do. And when you're connected with God and you're connected with the rest of the body, you know. You know what you're supposed to be doing. You are firm in that and you cannot be tossed. And when somebody comes up to you with a lie so clever, it sounds like the truth, you can discern that and say, nope, that's not the truth. I know what the truth is, and I'm going to stand by it. I know what God has called me to. I'm not going to move from that, but thank you. And when you resist the devil, what does he do? When you resist the devil, he flees. He doesn't stay next to you. Because you know why? Have you, have you seen our dad? Like, you know, he's a pretty big dude, and he's strong. He's powerful, and he's given us a gift through that power so that we might do something way greater. He might do something far greater in us than we could ever ask or imagine. Ephesians 3. It's crazy all the correlations that you get when you... become a part of the body and and you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, all of a sudden you're growing in knowledge, growing in stature, and now you're mature. Now you're not going to move. Now nothing can knock you to the side because you are confident in what God has called you to do. And you are confident in the fact that you are his child so that you would not fear, so that you would not worry. But you're just going to keep doing what he's called you to do. So what is your gift? Is it giving? Is it teaching? Is it speaking? What is it? What what is it? Is it encouraging others? Is it serving others so that you're supposed to serve them well? What does your heart compel you to do? What is God compelling your heart to do? You have to decide that for yourself. Because I felt God compelling my heart. I would stay up late at night and I would just... Have sermons on my mind, and I before I even realized it, I was about thirty minutes into the sermon, about halfway through, and, uh, and I was in my bed, and I was thinking, I'm really I'm preaching, like I I am in my bed, I can't sleep because I'm preaching, and it's like I really loved how I felt right then because I felt like I was in God's will, but then I would realize I actually was preaching a sermon. And then I got really scared, you know. I, y'all know my story about that. But my heart was so compelled, and I had so much passion towards that because that is what God called me to do. You may not exactly want to do those things right off the bat because you may be fearful of the outcome. But I'm telling you, God is able to do through you more than you could ever ask or imagine that you would just put your faith in him through his grace, which is a gift from him, and now you're a part of his body. You're a part of his family. You're a part of his his house where he is the cornerstone, and He a part of his body where he is the head. You have a place. Now you have a purpose. Now you have meaning. Now you have security. Now you have strength. Now you have everything that you can need right there in Christ. So, I want all of us to think about our gifts. Think about what we're supposed to be doing with our gifts that we have all received. And if if you are the one who sits back and spectates because you don't feel confident, I want you to understand that God is able. You're not. None of us are. I'm not able to come up here and speak on my own. There's no way. There's no possible way. I seriously sometimes don't know what I'm about to say. I'm not kidding. I have no idea what I'm about to say sometimes when I come up here on the stage. I've studied, but I have no idea what to tell you guys. My heart could be heavy, but I have no idea. And God gives me the words every time. Unless I'm prideful, then He lets me stand up here and look like a doofus. But that has only happened like about half the time that I've done speaking. But You see what I'm saying? It's God. It's God's ability. It's God's grace. It's God carrying the burden. It's not you. Don't sit back in the background and be miserable. That is a lie. That is a lie from Satan. That is a lie that you're telling yourself that you can't do something, that you're not called to that because you are. You are, and you can do it. God will be able to do through you more than you could ever ask or imagine. I'm telling you, just step out. Go do what you feel called to do. And I'm telling you, you'll be closer to God than you ever have. You will feel so much security, so much strength, so much comfort, so much grace. And you'll be extended to so many other people that the body will be building up each other. I'm telling you, don't, don't let that, don't let the, the, I don't have the ability. Don't let that scare you. Don't let that make you fearful of, of serving in the body. Because we're we're lacking, like I I'm, we're hurting right now. Because because you might be the part that we're missing. You might be the leg. We're we're out here limping. We need you, and we love you. We want you. We have faith that God is going to give you the ability, and and you should too. So, I'm going to pray, and and I, I feel like I feel like you need to pray. If, if that's you, I feel like you need to pray here or wherever, grab a friend that you know is a part of the body that is hurting right now, just like my finger was hurting. Just grab a friend, pray with them, encourage them. If your gift is encouraging, encourage somebody now. Like, start now, you know? Like, if your gift is giving, give somebody something. Like, give somebody, like, a Bible verse or something. Like, do something. Like, start now. Let's Let's start now, okay? Like, that is the hardest thing to do is the first step. So, we can start now while we're all in here together and we're all in the body right now. So let's pray.